this is Rob Bow, and today in Turbo Talks we're talking to Tom Scrunch of Trek Segafredo about the restart of the 2020 season. Alright, welcome all to a brand new episode of the Turbo Talks, and guess what? It's race week. Pro cycling has returned, and I assume today's guest is even more excited about that than us fans are, because he'll soon be lining up again in his favorite races with his teammates from our Garmin-supported team, Trek Segafredo. So, time to dive into it with the Latvian national champion, the biggest potato fan of the peloton, and the man whose surname is already giving commentators headaches again for the restarts. It's Tom's Scrunch of Trek Segafredo. Welcome, Tom's. Hey, thanks for having me. You're welcome, you're welcome. Uh, great to have you on. Uh, how often have you been asked about that surname, how to pronounce it already? Well, pretty much every interview. <laughs> In every interview. Okay, I won't ask it then. I'll just assume that I nailed it perfectly. That was pretty good. <laughs> um, how's, the, how's the preparation for the season been for you? Because you're going to start this weekend in Strada Bianca, I think, or not? Yeah, uh, I am going to start in Strade and uh, definitely a race I'm looking forward to. It is uh, it is a pity that it's not going to be in uh, the normal time in March, but actually this year it uh, played well because I got sick just before it and was not going to do it anyways. <laughs> so if there's a bright side to this, then uh, it's that I can actually race it this year. Okay, that's that's the positive out of this whole situation. Uh, did you have any other positives uh, that came forward out of this whole pandemic for you? Or yeah, I mean, for sure, there's been. Uh, I always tend to find some positives, and uh, there's been quite a few here. Um, even just being um, having to ride Swift or the trainer, let's say, for as much as I did. I uh, actually realized that even on the trainer, I can do some quality work. And uh, it was nice to just slow down in life in general and not have to be traveling all the time. And I think for the planet also was uh, was a good time to just take back some, some places where people are always busy running around and uh, maybe, yeah, take back some, uh, some green, more green in the world. And I saw you've done a bit of studying, you opened a few books, uh, anything of particular interest that, uh, that you think is worth sharing, what, you, what you've been reading? The one I'm reading now is actually about um, this guy that makes cider, as in apple cider, and uh, it's very interesting. He talks about, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's not really anything sports specific, but it is about nature. It is about going back to the basics a little bit because what we think of as cider is this crazy sugary drink, whereas actual cider is more like wine where it's actually just fermented fruit, right? So it's uh, interesting to see his view on cider and modern day cider and the cider he makes. Oh, what's it called? Oof, I have to look it up. Uh, un- uncul- uncultivated or uncultured. Okay. And then the like the full uh, full name is a bit longer, but I think if people Google uncultivated, then they'll find it. Okay, cool. Hey, um, and obviously, I think you're just coming back from a training camp with a, with the track squad. How was it to be back with the with the guys again? 
Yeah, I mean, it had been a really long time since I had been in the team environment, so it was super nice to be back, both with the riders and the staff, and the chef was there, so we had a real good time. It was uh, two weeks uh, at altitude. I went a little bit early to get a head on, get a head start because I am not really a fan of altitude. So the four days I was there before those guys helped me actually. Uh, but yeah, I was, I mean, it was super nice to see the guys and it was super nice to ride with people than just by myself. Uh, so it was uh, a lot of wins there and a lot of good emotions for sure. And I think the the main group that you got you were there with I think you were there with uh, Balko Mollema, Richie Port, Jasper Stuyven, uh, Julian Bernard, Nicholas Eck, Alex Kirsch, and Edward Tones. Am I missing someone? Uh, well, me. <laughs> no, I, I guess uh, I guess that's it. Yeah. And, and you guys probably the core going to be is uh, towards the Tour de France as well later on in the season. D- did it already create something like a, like a special connection between you as a, as a team then before going up there later on in the season? I mean, it was definitely nice to yeah be in that group that uh, quite is on the long list of the tour. Um, we were missing a few guys, and Julien is on the long list of the Giro actually. But yeah, uh, yeah the like Jasper, uh, Eddie, and uh, Kirsch they actually race a different program to us, the more climber-type guys, where they go to Burgos and then Poland, and we do a lot of French races. So it is, um, yeah, it is a little bit different, and uh, it was nice to have the guys there because maybe the next time we are all again together is the start of the tour. And, and how is that then coming after that, uh, that long period of absence coming back as as a group do you then sort of like see or, or sort of like look at each other like who's already being in a good form or who's made a big impression to on the others in the training camp or is it all sort of like the same i mean it's definitely a different training camp from what we usually have just because we're a lot closer to racing than we usually are and a lot closer to the important races so there's definitely uh different uh, different speed in the training actually just in terms of that we're riding a lot faster than we usually are uh, maybe we are yeah we are being a little bit more specific in the training we're actually doing and uh, like doing a little bit of the roads especially because we were not that far from Nice doing a little bit of the roads that we will actually do in the race where the tour will go so um, yeah it's uh it's, it is a it is a little bit different than uh, your usual December or January training camp for sure. All right, hey, and um, looking up, uh, looking ahead to to your program because you already mentioned Strabianca and then the French races. Uh, so, what's the program going to look like for you this season? I mean, yeah, it's hard to say. Like, definitely, you want to not travel as much as uh, you want to travel as little as possible. Let's say. Uh, like you can see the, a guy like Vincenzo, he's pretty much just staying in Italy except for Worlds. And uh, in my case, yeah, I mean, I really wanted to do Strada and the team was uh, happy to fly me there. But other than that, yeah, it's going to be mostly spending some time in France. And yeah, and the second part of, or <laughs> not really the second part because it's all <laughs> one big, one big block. And I mean... At the same time, you got to see how the race develops. There's still like just a few days ago, the Canadian one days got canceled. Uh, yep. So, I mean, there might be some 
adjustments in the calendar for sure. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I hope to do the tour. Um, and I mean, we're still on a long list. So I hope I hope I'll be there in the start of Nice. And then I mean, after that, yeah, hope hope to do Worlds as well. Um, we'll see how that goes. I'm not sure how they will actually pick the uh, quotas for the nations. Because, yeah, in theory, usually it's by ranking pretty much beginning of August, so fairly soon. But yeah. uh, if, if that's going to change this year or what rankings they're going to use, I'm not sure. But, yeah, after Worlds, um, we'll have to see how, how much legs are left. But uh, hopefully I'll, I'll get to do some more one-day races and whatnot in the second part of the year as well. So, so how do you go about then setting goals for this season? Because obviously you probably started the season uh, when you were still under the impression that it was just going to be a regular season uh, with, with certain goals in mind. And how do you adjust them now when, when, like you mentioned, the whole season is sort of like cramped up in like just a one big block? For me, I definitely the one of the biggest goals this year was the Olympics. And I really wanted to be there and obviously that's a huge change where this year we are not even racing it but um, yeah it was on a normal year you definitely have a slower build-up and you have a little bit more time to get get your feet under yourself and get a good run in whereas this year I mean once we start racing you just have to be in fairly good form already and then hold on for dear life until your legs blow out and then <laughs> then you're done for the year but, but like you said, maybe um, like the Olympics was one of the big goals. Um, are you now targeting like some other race that you think, okay, this is where I really want to try to stand out for as far as that possible? Maybe obviously, like you want to be top shape for Tour de France and all the other races. But is there like one particular? Um, I guess not really. I uh, I mean, if I had to pick one, then for sure for the three weeks of the tour, I want to be in the tip top shape. And then just, yeah, see see what what I have left after that. But uh, at the same time, I'm uh, I'm a guy that really just enjoys racing, no matter what the race is. And uh, I pick my moments, but usually the picking of the moment is um, sometimes it happens just on the day. Um, so I mean, I've built I've built my training around just being able to perform throughout the whole block of racing we have yeah and then use the opportunities i get and, w and will there be some opportunities like in a race as a tour de france to perhaps try and get like another uh polka dot jersey to wear or is it really like just go there and assist richie or maybe bauke as much as possible for a gc for sure in the beginning the goals i mean already from the get-go you have some pretty hard stages and if those guys are going to be ready to go for GC, I'm going to be ready to support them as much as I can and put everything I have personally, uh, personal ambitions to the side, even though actually one of my personal ambitions is to one day um, finish on the Champs-Élysées with a yellow jersey in the team. So I think that's something cool and something not a lot of riders get to experience. So, I mean even though maybe it's not me standing on the podium, it is one of the goals I'd like to achieve in my career. So I'm happy to push everything inside and just help those guys. But at the same time, three weeks is a long time. And uh, 
21 days, there's always opportunities for something, you know. You really are sort of like that, the kind of like that team player, which is probably obviously really valued in your team. As you, I think you posted recently as well that that day that uh, John Degenkorp won that stage in the Tour de France uh, in Roubaix, that was like one of the special days in your career as well. Yeah, for sure. That day is uh, one I'll never forget. And uh, it was, yeah, because we won, but also because how we rode the whole day. We had two objectives. One was to win the stage and one was to keep Bauke in the GC run. And just because that day was, I mean, up and down and uh, as in like <laughs> there were, Bauke I think had like three bike changes, but <laughs> we always got back and we always made it through. And in the end, he finished on the same time as everyone except uh, John. But uh, that was the goal. And yeah, we accomplished, <clears throat> we accomplished a lot of things on that day with all the obstacles that were in the way. So it was uh, really great to be part of that team and be part of that day. As you mentioned, like a, a day you never forget. Let's say this Saturday is going to be, uh, is supposed to be a day that you are never going to forget. What what's it has to look like? For, what does it have to look like for you to make that a day that you never forget? Well, it's supposed to rain then, but I don't think that's <laughs> going to happen. It's just going to be hot <laughs> and sunny. Yeah, it's going to be hot. Uh, I'm not a fan of heat. However, uh, I mean, if we won the if we won the race, then uh, it would be a day I would not forget for sure. So, who's going to be uh, joining you on the start line for Track Fredo? I think Vincenzo is going to be there. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, mo it's mostly me and all the Italians. Oh, and I think actually Peter Waining as well, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so he's going to put it in the, what is it, the 54.11, and he's just going to be stomping up all those hills. Yeah, it might be hard in the 54.10, actually, because we, <laughs> we have a 10. We have a 10. It might be hard to get up some of those steep steep <laughs> gravel roads on a 54.10. Uh, I'm, I'm sure he'll give it a try, though. Yeah, if, um, I, if anyone can do it, it's him, you know. Yeah. Uh, so so what does it make it, what, what does it make like a favorite race for you? Like last year, you had a really standout performance coming ninth. Uh, I mean, I really like the, just that that race is different to a lot of other races. Uh, the atmosphere is cool. I mean, that might change this year, but uh, racing on gravel roads is a bit more fun than your usual just classic sprint stages in a tour or something. Um, but yeah, I think it's just the emotions you get from that race. And it's like, it's kind of like Roubaix. People talk about Roubaix where... Uh, every time, every year, it's like almost like an adventure. Like, what's going to happen this year, you know? And in Strad, it's kind of similar. I mean, it's not Roubaix; it doesn't have the history yet. Um, but at the same time, it is it is one of those where it's just an adventure to compete in it. So, so now for the fans, they've got like quite a good an idea what what's happening in Roubaix, especially also earlier on in the race. But then uh, with Strad last couple of years and again this year probably they can only see like the last hour of racing so where's the difficulty like earlier on in the race what's happening how is that race building up to that final hour well with strata the cool thing is that sectors actually start really early and sure there's breaks in between where you don't go on a sector for several kilometers but i think the first one is already within the first 20 uh, which doesn't really happen in other races. Um, and uh, just because Strada is a lot shorter, 
it's probably like almost 100k shorter than Roubaix, let's say. It is uh, a lot more intense. And you see people blowing up like from the get-go, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, you can be not in the wrong spot in one of the first sectors and you're out. And just because the speed is so high, it's uh, so hard to come back. And even if you do, then, I mean, you're pretty much done. And your race could be over in the first hour. Whereas in Roubaix, usually, I mean, that doesn't happen. Yeah, so it's totally different and something that fans probably like miss out on because it must be quite a spectacular sight to see as soon as those gravel sectors already start so early on and then everyone uh, going for it. Um, do you have like a certain tactic for it already in mind? Uh, not really. I mean, I have to, obviously it's a team effort at the end, so we have to talk uh, what's going to happen with the team. But I think with... Uh, Strada, you can always, I mean, not always, but a lot of times the brake actually survives fairly far. Um, however, I don't see it really surviving to the end, especially maybe this year where everyone wants to race from the get-go and everyone wants to race really hard from kilometer zero. Uh, but then you have to, the, well, the biggest thing is, yeah, you have to make, what is that, super long sector uh, after that with like 60, 70k to go or, or something. That's where you actually can start to play around because before that, it's just about making to that sector and like finishing the sector in the front as much as possible with as much of the energy as you have and then seeing which teams have how many riders and then from then on you can actually start playing playing some tactics yeah and usually you obviously go into this race having quite a good idea of whose legs are who's in top shape and, and who's really going to be ready who's going to be the favorite for the race um this year no previous racing everyone being there fresh and in shape you assume is there a big is there one big favorite for you if you had to give me one name who's going to win the race on saturday Matthew Vanderpool probably. Okay. I mean, is he? I don't know if he's racing, but I'm guessing he is. So yeah, he I mean, is. any race he starts, and especially when it's on uh, roads like that, he's he's the favorite to do it, right? I mean, I don't think that's a secret for anyone. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not. Like uh, maybe about Van Aert, obviously, with his previous experience there, and yeah, it's gonna be an interesting watch for sure. Hey, I want to move into some uh, some fan questions uh, that came in, and you may have already seen uh, passing by on t on Twitter as well. Uh, there's a couple of Garmin fan questions of the week. Kenny Pride wanted to know who has the biggest impact in setting the tone in a team. Is it is it the owner? Is it the DS? Or are the experienced riders? Or how does that work in a team? I think it definitely depends a little bit on the team. Um, some teams, for sure, have general managers that are more on hand or less on hand and then it always uh, I think every team dynamic is a little bit different but in our teams I think that in our team sorry in Trexigafredo I think that yeah Luca is a, a big draw and he's a big um, big motivator of everyone but also the directors are uh, every every race you go to there's a director that uh, knows how to approach each race and uh, get the morale up if it's down and not dwell over past mistakes. 
but get the ball rolling again and uh, move onwards. Okay. Uh, there was another question coming in, and if you grab a musette in the feed zone, what makes you happy to find uh, to find you in the musette, and what do you swap or throw away immediately? What makes me happy um, probably depends on the probably depends on the day because if it's a really long hard day and I'm in the Corpetto and I get a little Snickers bar or something Mars bar or something then that makes me happy usually um, and something I throw away would be um, some of the bars that just flavors I do not like or something. Is, is there a potato flavored bar or gel? There used to be. There used, to, used be to be really. There used to be really good uh, sweet potato bars called Ali's Bar, but unfortunately they've stopped. But they were amazing. Is that something that you might have to get into, into the sports nutrition? I mean, I should just talk. To, I know the lady that. Well, yeah, the woman that made them. I should just talk to her and buy the recipe probably. Yeah. Do, is the, do you have like a, during quarantine, did you discover like a new potato recipe? Uh, yeah, actually I did. I made, made some new sweet potato oat bars that I uh, enjoyed in training afterwards. And uh, someone sent me a nice uh, gluten-free potato gnocchi recipe uh, because I had never made gnocchi myself. And that was really good. Um, yeah, it was uh, actually quality time in quarantine. I did uh, did a lot of other things that I had not done before, for sure. All right, cool. Hey, and last question uh, for for these uh, garment fan questions that were coming in. Uh, Ross Hollett wanted to know the story behind the those dance moves in the stage of uh, Tour of California 2018 when you won. Were they spontaneous? Were they premeditated? They were very spontaneous, and if I had to repeat them, I would not be able to. <laughs> so there's no celebration uh, in uh, in mind for, let's say, if Saturday you're going to cross the line first on Friday, it's going to be spontaneous, what we're going to see. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's hard to hard to plan something like that. And usually when I win, it's not that often, and usually there's a lot of emotions. So there's usually something very uncontrollable just like that dance. Okay. Uh, all right. I think uh, we're going to wrap it up here. I'm going to give you some more some rest for, for this weekend and uh, for that intense block of racing that is coming up. All the best for that. And thanks for joining the podcast. Uh, thanks, Rob. All right. Uh, people at home, don't forget to share the Turbo Talks podcast and tell a friend about it. And enjoy watching Strada on this weekend and make sure you give Thomas a cheer in front of the TV. And after that, make sure you go out and never stop cycling. This was Rob Bau with Tom Scrunch of Trek Stay tuned for the next Turbo Talks.